Life in the Time of Corona. I'm your host, Lindy. Everyone's lives are being impacted by the coronavirus outbreak, but no two people's experiences are the same. In this podcast, we hear from people from different places, different walks of life, with different stories to tell. I live in the United Kingdom, which has one of the fastest escalating epidemics in Europe and in the world. However, the government's response to the outbreak has been largely reactionary. This has had a wide-ranging impact as the country and its people scramble to come to terms with ever faster escalating measures within a week of the first measures being implemented. Today, I'm speaking to Karima. A sound engineer based in London who usually tours the world for concerts, but is now having to navigate the world of Universal Credit, an overarching benefits system that has now also been tasked to provide payment to those out of work due to the coronavirus outbreak. Hi, Karima. Hey, Lindy. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Karima, could you tell us a little bit more about you, who you are, where you currently live? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Karima Kingsley.、Uh, I live in northeast London.、Um, we're enjoying our second day of lockdowns.、Uh, not so fun. So, tell me, how has the last few weeks been for you? It's、uh, it's been pretty mental. Yes, it's、um, in London. We've just locked down, so we're finally following、uh, in the path of. The rest of European countries, and yeah, it's just, it's getting used to a new start,、um, a new way of life. Really, all of I'm currently unemployed due to Corona, which is not so good, and just sort of watching the effects it's having on my industry and the country. Really, can you tell me a bit more about the industry that you work in? Oh yeah, so I am a sound engineer. So I work in live music. So I tour with bands、uh, worldwide. And I work in music venues,、uh, which are London-based. And what's been the impact like for you?、Uh, it's had a phenomenal impact. It has really flatlined the industry very quickly. We、um, we received news on the weekend of the thirteenth of March that there would be the government wasn't exactly banning mass gatherings, but they were warning against, and the gigs started cancelling very quickly. Um, and then by the following Tuesday, every club、uh, in London had closed. It went from we were just about getting into our busy season, and then it、um, dropped to nothing. So a pretty huge effect. And was this the same time that you heard about international events closing down as well?、Uh, yes.、Yeah, so just before、um, the biggest clue that this was going to have a massive effect on us was South by Southwest cancelling、uh, in early March. Um, up until before then, we weren't sure what if you know how serious this was going to be. And then when such a huge festival cancelled, it was a real warning sign. I, funnily enough, I was actually in America doing a gig when it cancelled,、um, and then we flew back. And then Coachella postponing was the next big thing. And then, like domino effect, they all went. Glastonbury was probably for for someone working in the UK. Glastonbury cancelling. Was just a massive seismic event because once the biggest European festival cancels, the, you know that the others will follow. 
It must have been such a shock to suddenly see every event shutting down. Has anything been spared by this? Any indication from events that haven't been cancelled yet? Um, so, in this, in terms of capacity of events, nothing has been left open. Um, the only thing that's left open is festivals in June haven't yet cancelled. So, as it as of last Friday, um, all my events in March, April, and May. Have cancelled mainly because the UK believe that its peak will be in the in mid May, but at the moment June is still festivals are still booking in June,、um, but we do expect them to cancel pretty soon. When do you think the organisers or people think it will be safe to organise these events again?、Um, well, that is yeah, that's the big question really because we. Our industry,、um, being mass gatherings, may be the last one to come back. You know,、um, hopefully after the lockdown, certain shops will be able to open. When people feel safe, then restaurants and hospitality can start opening.、Um, people may feel okay about traveling for holidays, but being in a room with you know very close proximity to three, three hundred, one thousand, you know, twenty thousand people. Um, it's going to take a while for people to one be comfortable with that, and two for the people who put these events on to feel comfortable about doing that.、Um, and not only that, but the economic impact of this event means that people might not have the disposable income to come to gigs.、Uh, so we're really not sure when it's going to reopen. I mean, I am quite lucky. I work for a wonderful club called Heaven. Which is a brilliant LGBTQ safe space.、Um, they, I believe, when they're allowed to, they will be able to open quite quickly, and people will come out. But as far as festivals, large capacity events, or touring goes, we could we could be going into like September, October before we're really functioning again. You said you were traveling with your band when this all started happening. What's been the reaction from your colleagues and other people in the industry since this started going down?、Uh, <laughs> it sort of moved in three stages, really.、Um, it went between my colleagues. There was it began with disbelief, which I imagine a lot of people felt, especially England.、Uh, we just couldn't see it getting this bad. Yeah.、Um, and then it moved. It moved into oh, you know. This is probably going to happen,、uh, which was generally the one of the worst phases. Was waiting for your work to cancel.、Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was very on edge during this, and then it all happened at once. So this is moving so fast. The virus is moving so fast. The government reaction is having to move like it's changing every day, and then everything cancelled pretty quickly. So when we were travelling back from from Florida. You know, our festival had still gone ahead, even though others were closing.、Um, there were a few people wearing face masks, but not that many. And now that feels, even though it was only three weeks ago, it feels like another era. Like it's a very different world to lock the world we live in now during lockdown. Yeah, it does feel very surreal. Within a week, Boris Johnson went from saying we can all go about our daily lives to. We will enforce police action if you don't stay indoors outside of doing shopping and exercising. It's being quite drastic. 
Yes, I mean, things really did change. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but knowing now I feel a bit more at ease because I know where we are. We know what we have to do. Everything's quite certain now. But a couple of weeks ago when it was like, no, you know, we know other European countries are locking down, but we're not going to. We weren't sure if things were going to cancel. That that was a worse feeling because you just didn't know where you stood. I definitely feel like this crisis management has needed to be about good communication and providing certainty to people. Um, it's the uncertainty more than anything that freaks people out, right? Yes, and I think we've seen, not to talk about a different subject, but we saw a lot of that last year with um, Brexit and the Conservative vote. And it's crazy to think that that's still waiting for us. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that that's still ahead of us. I think Boris Johnson has tried to ensure people that we will still be leaving the European Union at the end of this year. But I really don't see that happening when we still have to deal with all of this fallout from the coronavirus. And I don't think Europe too will be as patient and understanding and negotiating Brexit when there's so many more important things to worry about for them internally. Gone are the days when Britain was Europe's biggest problem. And I don't think this is going to be priority for anyone for a while. No, I just, I'm not sure we can afford it. I mean, no one's really looking past this thing just yet. Um, as much as we try, it's just too much of an unknown. On the topic of the government, what kind of measures have there been since the government started banning mass gatherings to support businesses and people such as yourself who suddenly find themselves out of a job? Well, I can only speak for people within my industry, but Currently, concrete uh, help, there's been very little. I mean, it's understandable that these these measures they're going to have to bring in are pretty huge deals and they're going to have to take some thinking. But at the moment, um, the only advice is to sign on to universal credit, which is proving difficult as there are so many people signing on all at once. I feel quite lucky that I opened a universal credit claim last week and got ahead of the curve because now there's 30,000 people waiting on uh, to be verified, which is pretty crazy. But um, there is talk that we're going to have the 80% that people on PAYE are also receiving um, and they will be using our late last tax return to work out how much we will be owed. This hasn't been passed, as far as I understand. On this day of recording, this hasn't mm-hmm. been passed yet. Um, it would be great if it could because there are a lot of self-employed people who are very much on the edge. I mean, I must emphasize that you can make a good deal of money in my industry, but there are a lot of people on quite low incomes. Uh, This is still a creative vocation. So we really are, you know, calling out for help to the government. And there have been a lot of petitions because the sudden, it was so sudden, you know, people... Mm -hmm. We might be getting in a couple of invoices from the work that we've done, but our season was only really just kicking off. Our seasons are March during springtime, summer festivals, and then autumn touring. So for it to for this to have happened, it's like an axe falling just when we're about to get busy. Yeah. Um, so yes, hopefully there will be help. Um, but as of today, there hasn't been anything apart from universal credit on offer. 
So could you please explain the universal credit system to listeners and the process you went through to claim for relief? Uh, yes. So this was my first foray into universal credit. Um, I didn't have much understanding of it beforehand, but luckily the website was very easy. So you open the claim to start off with. Uh, your identity, your online identity is verified. Um, you then spend a fair amount of time on hold trying to book an appointment, um, which of course now can't be a face-to-face appointment. It has to be on the phone. Um, and luckily I had that today. And what they ask for is uh, how much, what are your outgoings, what are your ingoings. I must say my work coach was, they're very understanding of our situation. They are putting in um, legislation in place that protects people who have had a sudden loss of income. It, you know, we it's not that we can't find work. It's not that we're too sick to work. This is we are not allowed to work. Um, so universal credit will be helpful in that. And it has for me, it has been an all right um, process so far. But then again, I started it a week ago. Um, it's a much different story uh, as of today. And you've also yet to receive payment, right? Yes. No, I, I've yet to also find out how much I will be given. So what I did find out is until they review your case, after you've spoken to a work coach, then you find out how much you'll be owed. Um, And it will take a few weeks to come through. So I am hearing from others that they will offer you a loan. I was asked whether I needed money right now, which I said no, because luckily I have a small amount of savings. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, it will take five or six weeks for it to start coming through. Five or six weeks is a long time in a country where 15% of people don't have any savings at all. Do you think this timeline is going to be fast enough for others in your situation? No. Uh, so, the, so for example, in London, we have a large amount of 80 to 400 capacity venues. Um, and unfortunately, the pay for those venues is quite low which living in London makes it harder for people to build up savings. And I worry about people, also people who have kids and have larger outgoings. You know, we need this money faster. We understand it takes a while for these things, for the machine and all the cogs to turn. But there needs to be some sort of emergency response in place because people, five or six weeks, people could be losing their homes before then. I guess in the meantime, for people who need to pay bills, We're seeing measures like payment, holidays, our mortgages and rent freezes. Well, one thing I will add about that, uh, what I'm hearing from certain colleagues, is the rent freeze, whilst they are bringing in legislation that landlords cannot evict, this, it also feels like the legislation is an act of goodwill rather than law that you can take a rent freeze. I've had several friends who are applying for universal credit because their landlord still expects payments each month so I'm not sure the rent freezes don't feel like they are making a huge difference just yet so outside of these financial concerns are you concerned about the health physically and mentally of your friends colleagues or family um well um most of my colleagues are fit healthy in their 20s 30s and 40s Yes, I hope that they um they stay healthy. I'm not too worried because I I feel like that they'll be okay. I'm more worried about my own family. Um, 
all of which are in the vulnerable bracket, um, which is a shame because I was planning to go see them and then suddenly it became obvious that that was a really bad idea, especially being in London where there's so many more cases. Travelling out to someone who is vulnerable just didn't seem fair or right. So, yeah, that is a, a major worry. Outside of, you know, my industry, you still have to think about the impact this is going to have to our country and the world. And is your family keeping to the quarantine conditions? They are, yes. Um, if my auntie listens to this, she's going to be annoyed at me. But I did, it took them a little while to see how serious this was, um, mainly because there hadn't been any tested positive cases in their mm-hmm. area. So it did feel like they were being overdramatic when I asked them to start isolating. But um, having the government announce that there's a lockdown does help with that. And now I feel much better about them. It does feel like it's been a failure of epic proportions in terms of the government's lack of forward planning for this crisis. Not only has there been a lack of emergency funding for those impacted, but also they've been downplaying the issue to citizens by not communicating the full scale and potential impact it could have on the health and well-being of the most vulnerable? Yes. I mean, there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of criticism about how our, how slow our government has been. And we shall see, I suppose, in the next coming weeks, what effect that has, that slowness. Um, but then there is, there's a definite feeling like, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell English people what to do. <laughs> I've been noticing in in other countries and how they're reacting to the lockdown. I mean, there's always there's always people in every society who don't want to follow the rules, but there was definitely something about England and our government didn't want to do this, and we none of us are really sure why. We weren't sure if it was a they didn't have the manpower to enforce a lockdown, they didn't want the economic impact, or whether it's just a case of they didn't want to seem unpopular but we were definitely much slower than other countries. Well, they've been saying how the government's plan and communications have been heavily influenced by nudge theory based on the behavioral analysis of people in this country. The idea is that by using coaxing and positive assertion rather than force, they'll get more people to buy into the measures they're putting through. That, I think, is one of the reasons why they didn't go for a full lockdown in the beginning. Do you think that was a good tactic? Um, I can see where it came from, Um, especially when you looked at social media. There was definitely um, a moral call to arms. Like, don't if you're not worried about yourself, then please worry about others. And that did, I think that did work to an extent. Um, if that had been coupled with an earlier announcement about income protection, I think that would have worked a lot quicker. But unfortunately, when you tell someone who's working a low-wage job that, yes, it would be great if you didn't go out because we don't want you to infect other people or become infected, but no, we're not going to protect your income, you know, it's, it's quite a clear choice. You know, yes, you want to protect people, you want to do the right thing, but if you physically can't keep a roof over your head, what choice do you have? Yeah, what other things do you think the government should be doing? 
Oh, good question. Um, well, the next big one, obviously, is uh, protecting their self-employed. Whilst we are in the minority in this country, uh, self-employed people are here. We are important. We are significant. We pay our taxes. We do need protection, just as the same as PAYE workers. Um, whilst we may have savings, it doesn't quite feel fair that we're burning through them uh, just to stay alive. Uh, and past that, I'm, it's hard to look past that. So I think at the moment, we're, it's very reactionary, our, um, the way we're going about this. And yes, we do need to start thinking about what happens next. While we wait for that to happen, what kind of things have you been doing in the day since you've been at home? Uh, I've been spring cleaning, <laughs> which is, seems like a silly thing to do, but it's keeping me busy. Personally, I have been massively in contact with friends. Well, it's, it's been mentioned before, but the different apps starting to come up like Zoom and House Party. Um, I feel like I'm suddenly reconnecting with people and have way more time to talk to, have proper conversations with people. And also just trying to learn how to slow down. London pace is always, always so fast. And when your job fills up a good chunk of your life, you don't notice the pace you're working at. And when that gets taken away, you suddenly realise you have time to cook a healthy dinner or cook three meals a day. You have time to exercise. You have time to talk to people. On top of that, I have actually signed up to volunteer with Walden Forest Council. They are initiatives. People can look up mutual aid groups and there are initiatives to provide food, package and deliver food to the elderly who are self-isolating. That's something very much I encourage the people in my industry to do because we are suddenly at home. We do have all this time. Um, other things that people are doing, and myself included, are they are applying for jobs um, with people like Amazon and Tesco's. Um, when you come from such an active job, such as gigs and stuff like that, we, we don't work from home. We're used to being on our feet. We're used to having a set day. Suddenly going from 60 back to zero is quite a shock. So there are people who are looking outside of that to supermarkets or central work um, to pick up the extra hours in the day. And how does volunteering work in the situation that we find ourselves? Is it classed as an essential activity? Last I saw, the list of essential workers was paid work. They weren't including voluntary. But then we had a message from Walden Forest Council saying that Technically, if you are supplying foot and deliver, sorry, supplying foot, if you are supplying food on foot or you're packaging it, it is a food delivery service, and therefore becomes an essential, uh, essential work. Obviously, it's best to avoid public transport, so that's why people applying for these volunteer roles in their in their boroughs through their local councils is the best way. So it means you can get there by foot or by cycling, or if you have a car driving yourself. Um, so yes, it's basically still isolate um, or still distance, but you're still doing something good. Yes, I feel like this is a difficult time for everyone, but particularly people with mental health. And it's really important that we start looking out for other people who are in less fortunate positions to us. This is having a huge impact on people's mental health. I mean, I don't know if you saw on BBC, 
they were interviewing Stephen Fry about how to combat anxiety, you know, how to, your day is suddenly much slower, there's less to do, um, there's a lot of bad news on the TV, um, how do you combat your anxiety levels rising? I personally have had to be, to put in certain structures into my day or certain boundaries to help protect mental health. I suppose it really depends on people's support networks. Um, and also if they live with someone, I really feel for the people who are currently in lockdown on their own because house party and video calling is really great, but it doesn't really replace having someone living with you that you can talk to or have a hug or something like that. Exactly. And if you're suddenly working from home or not working, you're not seeing the people that you see in your daily lives. I think we've seen about over 500,000 people volunteer for the NHS. Do you think that there's a sense that London and you know the UK as a community is coming together in this time? So our country, I mean, even worldwide, but our country has a history of coming together at certain times. And now that people's entire daily lives have been affected and a lot of people have more time, people really are coming together. And that is a silver lining of the situation. Um, I, I say silver lining, obviously it's a terrible situation, but it is really nice to be able to see people come together. Even if it's a small thing, like I walked past... Um, a window on my street and they put up a sign saying you know to spread goodwill goodwill and they had little hearts in the window that's a nice little thing and then it comes to people we have a whatsapp group for our local area for you know people are flagging uh, those who are vulnerable and then other people are giving them help people really are coming together this is a community in london who rarely talks to each other i mean Londoners and neighbours, sometimes they have a community, sometimes they don't. But now everyone is pulling together. People are smiling. People are talking. I mean, this is part of my part of London. I can't speak for all the others because I'm not out there seeing it at the moment. But it is, it is really warming to see that a lot of people have the, the good of everyone else at heart. And I think it's, it's happened so quickly. I mean, time, personally, time feels like it's slowed down because I haven't really had anything to do this last week has lasted much longer in my head but when you look about it the population of this country or the world within three weeks of hearing about a virus that's just hopped over uh, the water to, and is starting to cause havoc to full lockdown people have had to adapt really quickly they've gone through the stage of oh no, what am I going to do? I mean, there's the panic buying and the stockpiling was unfortunate and hopefully that will slow down now that people have seen that the shops aren't going to run out. But we've gone from the just caring about the individual, what am I going to do, what are we going to do, to, okay, this is the situation, we know what we need to do, time to pull together and keep checking on others to see if they're okay. Yeah, we should all try to do that with the people around us and the ones that we care about and now for a question i like to ask everyone what do you look forward to when this is all over sushi <laughs> i don't today i uh, have a real craving for just any food that isn't my cooking 
yes. No, I, I look forward to being able, as much as I'm enjoying like suddenly video calling someone I don't usually talk to, I do really love that. And I will learn from this and start taking that into regular life when it starts up again. But I'm so looking forward to just being able to, to going on the tube. I, I know people hate it, but I um i look forward to i really look forward to working i want the unfortunate things of when your job is your vocation um it tends to be sometimes it's your most favorite thing to do i love working i love every aspect of working and suddenly not being able to do the number one thing that you love doing is you sort of have to mourn it for a bit that sounds overly dramatic but uh it's just it's just the feeling at the moment so i'm looking forward to working to being able to go to people's houses. I'm looking forward to hugs. That's actually the main thing. Before lockdown happened and you were seeing people doing that kind of elbow touch that got, you know, became popular after the film Contagion came out. Um, no one's hugging and I really miss the physical contact. It's going to take a long time to go back to normal. There's going to be a little bit of a, you know, mass post-traumatic stress after this one. And for the last question, what is your advice to yourself from three weeks ago, knowing what you know now? <laughs> Take this seriously um, would be the biggest one. Um, I'm, I'm going to admit I was one of the slower ones. And I also was one of the people who, you know, slightly, not to people's faces, but I made fun of the whole face mask thing. Um, I would, yeah, I would definitely urge myself to take this seriously. Um, take heed of the precautions that you know that we were seeing. The things coming out of Italy. Pay more attention. Um, brace myself financially a little bit more, um, and also just start spreading, you know, messages of, you know, nice messages to people. I think um, a friend of mine has this idea to start spreading a new ha hashtag. I'm not really sure how you say that, but he says uh, panic is a virus or panic is also a virus. Um, and he wants to spread the message that if you can't help directly, so whether that's volunteering or working on the front line, what you can do is to help counteract, you know, the constant bad news, the sensationalist headlines, uh, Social media has, you know, is doing a lot of good, but also has a lot to answer for, as usual. So what we can, what I'd want my three-week past self to do and what I'm doing now is just to spread kindness and check in and make sure people are staying calm. That's a great message. We should all try to be kind and compassionate to people at this time. Yeah, definitely. We, whether there's a pandemic or not, I think that's a good way to do things. Thank you, Karima, for your beautiful message. I think we all need more people like you in our lives to show solidarity and that we can get through this together. Thank you so much for joining me today to discuss your situation right now. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Life in the Time of Corona. I'm your host, Lindy. Connect with us on coronatime.life and next time we'll be speaking to Eugene.
a Singaporean technologist who has no complaints with how his government has been tackling the virus outbreak. Just what measures are they doing that we can all learn from?